The ABC's word wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Raleigh Sussex. One three hundred triple two six twelve. That is the phone number that you can call on one three hundred triple two six twelve because it's that time of day. The ABC's word wizard, Rolly Sussex, OAM, emeritus professor from the School of Languages and Cultures at the University of Queensland, is here, willing and able to talk to you about words, language, and linguistics. One three hundred triple two six twelve. Call now, Rolly. Have I got this right? You want to talk about togs, swimmers, budgie smugglers, swimming costumes, bathers. Why? That's just the start of it. Um, because the, the words of clothing in our language tell us quite a lot about, about where they come from and which sort of fashions we've been imitating. Now, you and I have talked about music and all of those Italian terms like Largo and Adagio, and we've talked about French and all of the cooking terms like your jus and your souffle. Interestingly, though, when we get to words for clothing, and the majority of it is actually English. There's a little bit of French, but not too much else. There's a few Asian words like getter, which I'll get to in a moment, um, and a kimono and so on. But basically, we've run our own thing with words, but there's an awful lot of them for clothing, and they've changed a lot over the years. I mean, once upon a time, we would have turned up to the ABC wearing a loincloth or a toga. That would have made an impression. Quite a sight. I've worn a toga out and about before in public before, of course. Um, and uh, what I'm interested in uh, are words that we use all the time, Rolly, that you say mm. have a relationship. I'm thinking toga, I'm thinking skirt and yes. shirt. Tell me more. Well, skirt and shirt are actually the same word borrowed twice. Because uh, round about the 8th, 9th century in England, they, were, they had the Dane law, which was the bit of England to the north and east that was controlled by the Vikings. And, of course, they spoke Scandinavian languages where you have a sk, like the Skagerrak. Um, and so we borrowed the word, and skirt was then taken into English, and skirt became shirt, so we get shirt. And then a bit later, we borrowed it again, and this time it came over with the skirt. So that both of these things have actually come from the same source, although they end up meaning different things. Hmm. And that's not unusual, um, because quite a few of our, our clothes words have actually changed meaning as we've gone through the ages. For example, dear old sandals. Yes, love them. Love them. Uh, it comes from Greek sandalon, which means a wooden shoe, probably from Persian originally. Oh. Now, what is wooden in a shoe? Well, a geta. And a G-E-T-A is the Japanese word for a particular sort of sandal which has a wooden platform and then those two straps that we're familiar with in sneaker, in, in, uh, in flip-flops. We'll get to them in a moment. <laughs> and uh, up in Darwin, they call flip-flops getters. They use the Japanese word for some reason. Is that so... Yeah, then there's thongs, of course. Mm -hmm. Jandals. In Australia. And jandals in New Zealand. You would not go to America and ask for a thong to put on your feet. No. I think you were very weird. <laughs> a thong in America is an abbreviated female lower part of a bikini. Mm, quite brief indeed. Rolly, yeah, quite you, brief, you yeah. mentioned toga earlier, and mm. we were talking about skirt and shirt. Um, yeah. But what about tog? Is tog and toga related? Ah, it's it's related to to um, I think a, a same the same uh, 
ultimately from origin origins meaning you know something that something that you wear uh, but uh, toga was was a word which gave us all sorts of togs and things uh, going back to latin uh, by the way before we leave shoes can i run past you Please. wedges and flats and stilettos and boots and slip-ons mm. and court shoe what's the difference between a court shoe and a pump i think the american yeah. expression is pump right you're dead right, and courtshoe is British. Not many people know that. Oh. And remember winkle pickers, which were with us for a while, particularly ugly male shoe. Mm -hmm. um, slingbacks and mules and kitten heels and oxfords and patents and peep toes and brogues and clogs from the Dutch. And, of course, when we get to sneakers, then you have trainers in England, you have sand shoes, as they used to be in Australia, although kids nowadays would be, wouldn't be caught I think dead in sand shoes, they'd want proper, proper imported sneakers. Then you get plimsolls in England because they sort of resemble the plimsoll line on the side of a boat, which says how high the water can come when you're loading it up. So is a plimsoll like an espadrille? Espadrille? I'm, I'm not sure on the pronunciation, but the, the rope shoe. Is, mm. Yeah, a sort of. Um, it's, except that plimsolls are usually canvas, whereas espadrille can very often be woven, I think. They come from the south of France. And uh, that's a particularly French dialectal word. And then, of course, there's moccasin. Oh, yeah. And moccasin comes from Algonquian, a-L-G-O-N-Q-U-I-A-N. It's a North American language. And, of course, it's made very often of leather or fur or something like that. And that's how we've got that one from the native languages of North America. Now, uh, that's probably 20-something words for different sorts of shoes over the ages. And some of them, like uh, winkle pickers, are barely notable anymore. And I think pumps and court shoes, do you hear them very often? I, look, when you're browsing online, depending on whether you're shopping American or shopping European, you might yes. need to select pump as an option if you're looking for a particular type of shoe. And that's a very prescient a comment because now that we do so much shopping online particularly after the beastly covid you need to know how to translate things like shoe sizes and shoe styles and so on from american to australian to british to anything else and it gets we 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 are we have to be multilingual multi multi-shool <laughs> when they're doing it all right so that's for shoes are you feeling bold enough to talk about underwear all right dear lady right. <laughs> lingerie which comes from the french word for linen and of course nowadays it isn't made from linen anymore used to be called unmentionables or smalls mm. And uh, when my grandma was alive, she would tend to hang those things on the inside of the, of the, show, uh, the, of the uh, washing line so that they wouldn't be visible to people from outside. You know, the, the proper careful housewife was mm -hmm. modest about these things and kept them away from public view. Very decorous. These days, I don't, I don't mind. Maybe right. I should. I don't know. <laughs> then we've got culottes. They're, they're an interesting word. Um, actually, they, they originally meant knee-length trousers, which were worn by the aristocracy in France before the, the revolution in mm -hmm. 1789. Mm -hmm. And the, they come, culotte comes from French cul, or Latin culus, which means your bottom. And it turned out that in the French Revolution, they had people called sans culottes, or those who were not wearing culottes, because the working class were trousers, ordinary pants, the aristocracy were culottes. But of course, culottes have now changed somewhat. Would you like to describe culottes from your point of view? I'd see them as a tailored but flared above the knee pair of shorts with pleats. Uh, yeah, and they're a bit 
voluminous or mm. generous of cut, right? Yes. And my appearance is a skirt or something. If if you didn't look right. closely, yeah, they cut a bit to look like skirts, aren't they? They 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 they're cut that way. Now, then we come to dear old bra. Right. Tell us um, about the bra, Rolly. Right. Well, people in this country tend to think that the proper word is a brassiere, or in American, a brassiere. Not an over-the-shoulder boulder holder. Uh, you said it, not me. <laughs> you can say such things. I would. I would shrink. <laughs> Now, brassiere. I'm afraid brassiere is a French word, but it doesn't mean bra at all. It means a child's bodice. Oh. So we've actually got a mistake in the language there because if you say brassiere or whatever, we're referring to something in French which is definitely very, very different entirely. In French, it is a soutien-gorge or a bosom supporter. All right, and uh, and in German, it's a Busthalter, uh, very often known as Beha. They've they've shortened it. Um, so that you know, the bra was actually invented by a French lady called Herminie Cadol in 1889, as it was the result of splitting the corset into two bits, a bottom bit and a top bit. And the bottom bit was designed to shape the hips and give you a very thin waist, and the top bit was designed for support and uh, demonstration of natural ability. <laughs> Product description. That's brilliant. <laughs> It's yours. <laughs> okay, demonstrating some really natural ability on the program this afternoon, <laughs> Professor Rolly Sussex, your guest, the ABC's Lord of Language. We are talking about clothing broadly, but willing willing to take your calls on one three hundred triple two six twelve. I do hope at some point in the course of this afternoon's discussion, we can talk about my favourite uh, article of clothing. The, the article of clothing that I just think speaks to so much of me, and that is, of course, a fine pair of slacks. But we'll come to that in a moment. Warren at Harvey Bay. Good afternoon. Hello. You've got a, an insight into um, an international approach to the language of clothing. Tell us more. Well, uh, when I was approached by the person I rang on one three hundred triple two six twelve, I said that I was going to talk about ifu. Which is the Chinese word for clothing? Mm. Um, Rolly, hello. Hello there. Um, I'll give you a pretext. My son is doing a um, a bachelor of international studies at Queensland Uni. He's yep. majoring in Chinese. I've got a graduate diploma in applied linguistics, major in Chinese. And uh, I wanted to talk about the relevance of the relationship with China. On language, in 1992, I went to China uh, on a low exchange to learn Chinese languages in uh, order to teach Chinese language in Queensland high schools. Right, Warren. I think we've we've got a bit of a problem trying to get. We'll see if we can get Warren back. Well, Apologies, um, but Efu Rolly. Um, yeah, Chinese word, as far as I'm aware, for generally for clothing. The odd thing, by the way, is that so few Chinese words relating to this sort of clothing area have actually made it into English at all. There are a few from Japanese, um, like like kimono, and there's also chongsam, uh, but not a lot more. Hmm. And I would have expected that that you know, like like Chinese food words are now gaining traction in English, that we'd have more. Very interesting, mm. Sue at Landsborough. Uh, good afternoon, Sue. 
Hello there. What would you like to say? I'll take you off topic here, but how are you, Rowley? Um, well, thank you. What I is learned it? a new word the other week, and it was probity, and then got to thinking, how do you use it as a verb? What's its verbal equivalent? Oh, there isn't one. Probity means uprightness and yes. um, morally following the rules and being a decent person. And there is no verb that I know of. Um, and probe is something totally different. So probity yes. comes from Latin probus and it means upright in, mor in the moral sense. Yeah, okay. So to describe it as an action, I guess you'd have to say <coughs> acting with or living Acting with probity. Yeah, or behaving with probity or demonstrating probity, something like that, yeah. Sure, yeah. Mm. All right, no problem. Thank you, Sue. Michael in Laidley on the topic of clothing. Good afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon. How are you both? Very well, thank you, sir. I just wondered why um, certain parts of your clothing, uh, like a pair of trousers mm. or a pair of knickers, whereas above the waist they're singular, like you don't say a pair of shirts. Or a yep, pair yep. of cardigan or something. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Um, now, in, in French, the word pantalon, which means trousers, is singular. Uh, and someone once said that trousers are singular at the top and plural at the bottom. <laughs> and that's quite clever when you think about it. <laughs> um, but in, in English, they are, you know, trousers or shorts. Although nowadays, people are starting to talk about a pant particularly in an upmarket shoe uh, uh, clothes place. Uh, in Russian, they are shtane, which, are, which is plural again, or briuki, which is also plural. Um, and uh, lederhosen, leather trousers in German, yep. that's also plural. So we seem to have a tendency to say things below the waist are plural, and things above the waist, even though they've got two armholes and so on, are singular. I mean, you, you know, a bra ought to be plural, shouldn't it? A pair of bras, do you? Mm. Mm. Or a pair of sleeves. I mean, there are two arms in the sleeves of the shirt and stuff. So, yeah, it's yes. really interesting. So why not? So th somehow the, uh, your, your midriff uh, actually separates singular from plural. No reason for that other than what you said about the foreign languages coming in? Well, no, it's, it's probably historical, and I would have thought that probably we got this from the French at one stage, and then it, it perpetuated so that other new... Uh, trousers and so on below the waist are called plural and above the waist, like, you know, a tank top or a, a T-shirt or a sweatshirt, they're all singular. Yes, uh, for sure. And as you say, there is an illogical thing there. Fair enough. Thanks very much. Okay. Thank you very much, Michael, at Laidley on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. My name is Kat. You're with Professor Rowley Sussex. If you'd like to join the conversation, the phone number is 1300 uh, We've got lots of calls to get to, Rowley, but I did want to ask you about slacks. It is my favourite piece of clothing because I, I just think they're great, they're comfortable. I'd wear slacks every day for the rest of my life if I could. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like the, um, the, the laid-back word for this yes. particular item of clothing. Where did that come from? Okay, well, uh, and so did Kamala Harris, by the way, uh, when she and uh, uh, President-elect Biden appeared. Uh, she was wearing a beautiful, a very beautiful white uh, uh, pants suit. Um, slacks, uh, I'm sorry, this is going to spoil it for you for life. It oh, comes no. from the Latin laxus, which means loose. That's fine, but I'm afraid that, that it also is related to the word laxative and so on. Oh, dear. <laughs> Okay, so that's something that we didn't know. Uh, 
before this afternoon's word in your ear. More fun clothing uh, conversation. Rolly, any, what's your favourite item of clothing or your favourite clothing-related word? Oh, I think at the moment, suspenders, uh, because when I was young, suspenders were something that ladies wore around their waists to hold up their stockings. But what has happened is that we've been Americanized, and what used to be braces are now called suspenders, and they're the things which gentlemen wear over their shoulders to hold their pants up. And uh, I think this is a, an important, important shift, uh, part of the general Americanization of certain parts of our vocabulary, um, as, you know, pump shoes and, and, and court shoes and so on above. Um, the, and then, of course, there's another one which is very usual. Well, people think it's Australian, Boyangs. Do you know what Boyangs are? Boyang? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. What's a Boyang? B-O-Y-A-N-G. Um, my dad used to wear these. Um, they're, they're a sort of leather legging thing, um, and they come from a British dialect word meaning Bowie, Bowie Yanks, which is leather leggings. Um, and they are known in Australia, particularly if you happen to work in, in uh, paddocks with lots of seeds and spiky things. Hmm. Would duds, I mean, a duds, Australian vernacular, what Aussie words do we have for clothing? Not a lot, actually. Mm. Duds, I'm, as far as I'm aware, is, uh, is American. Uh, you know, your clothes, buy yourself some new duds, um, and is relatively common. It's one of these words which I think is, is definitely um, colloquial. Uh, but there are, there are lots of others. For example, if you're talking about um, uh, underwear, then you've got long johns which is still around, mm -hmm. you want to be careful with shorts because um, whether they are underwear or overwear, um, in, in America, I, I believe shorts are your underpants, whereas shorts in Britain and Australia are things that are worn on the outside. Um, then in America, they have BVDs. Now, that is interesting because it's the name of a trademark for boxer shorts. And that's another one we haven't come, gone, come across today so far. But boxers or boxer shorts, there's a whole series of those relating to men's underwear. By and large, by the way, if there's going to be lots and lots of terms for, for clothing, the bigger vocabulary is always with the, Ameri with the women's clothing. For example, bloomers, named after Amelia J. Bloomer of America, who patented them and who lived between 1818 and 1894. Um, and uh, again, you know, these are part of your unmentionables. Let's mention the unmentionable. If you can't do it during a clever conversation about clothing on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland, when can you? Fortunately, a mystery may be about to be solved. We were talking earlier, Rolly, uh, yeah. about why some clothing is plural and, and others, other items of clothing are not plural. Michael from Laidley made the point. Chris and Green Slopes has a theory. G'day, Chris. G'day, Kat. G'day, Rolly. It comes from when they were making jeans and uh, they had the front bit of material and the back bit of material and then they stitched them down the side so it was a pair of two pieces of material. Okay. Now, where's the, the historical document that tells us that this is the only way to, to make plurals? Because these plurals are very, very old. They've been I, around, I believe, long before jeans. Um, well, and by the way, do you know where jeans comes from, Kat? Pardon? Do you know where jeans comes from? Jeans, the denim jeans. Yes. Um, no. Oh. Now, <laughs> de denim comes from de Nîmes, which means of Nîmes, which is a city in the south of France. 
So denim is a, a word which comes from two French words, of Nîmes, right? But there is, in fact, a material called jean, J-E-A-N, of which jeans are made. And that is from a French word, gen, which means genoa, right? So that it was it's associated, the, oh. if you like, the, 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 um, the, the jean bit is now uh, something which is meant to come from Italy originally. Hmm. Very good. Half past two, ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. Professor Raleigh Sussex having a word in your ear. My name is Kat. Uh, we've got Liana at Harvey Bay. And again, the question about pairs of things. G'day, Liana. Hello, uh, Kat. Um, a, a historical connection, I understand, to a pair of trousers. Mm. If you think of them, or they were called drawers. Mm -hmm. And in the 16th, 17th century, I know ladies under their crinolines, etc., and everything, instead of having a full panty with a sewn crutch, they had a right leg and a left leg that joined on a drawstring around oh, the wow. waist. So right. there was no seam from front to back. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Now, this is a bit of, of sewing that I wasn't aware of. That's, That's very, most interesting. Tell us more, Leona. How, how did you come to understand this? Oh, um, I was involved in uh, ballet and the history of clothing. And uh, as a thing, you know, sewing, I was very interested in that. And I asked that question decades ago. Why are they pairs of trousers? And it started as drawers. And the okay. elegant ladies could just simply walk along in, in the, you know, Louis the Fourteenth time and pause a while <laughs> and then move on. <laughs> I am and, loving today's conversation. <laughs> I even think the Victoria, uh, I've seen in the uh, um, the museum uh, thing on the ABC about the the British Museum. Mm. I've even seen a couple of different pairs of drawers mm -hmm. of Queen Victoria, and showing her ageing and her developing size. Mm. Yes, okay. indeed, and the um, the extra uh, ribbon required to accommodate Her Majesty, <laughs> indeed, yes. no doubt, comfortably. Well, Liana, I am very amused. Thank you for that. That was brilliant. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to go and do some historical uh, clothing research about this one. Quite. Oh. Because, the, I mean, pockets themselves. I've, I've spent a long afternoon looking at why so few articles of women's clothing had pockets, and um, there's quite an interesting political history to the pocket too, Rolly. Do tell me. Well, I will have to go back to the books to give you a precise recollection, but mm -hmm. um, the pocket was something that you would have separate to your clothes as, right. you know, you'd strap it underneath your skirts to prevent it being mm -hmm. nicked down the markets when you were bartering for fish or what have you. Um, mm -hmm. But it, I think it, it sort of comes back to purse strings and... Am I right? Yes. You probably know more and, about and it sometimes than me. I believe pockets were a sort of pouch that you'd suspend from the waistband or your belt, um, and they weren't actually incorporated in the sewn part of the of the garments themselves. Mm. Um, and again, there were there was you no know, pickpockets used to be very very good in those days. Yeah, not taking. Do you want to talk about bathers and things? Okay, oh, can we please? And then we've got lovely calls to, to get to, including right, Troy at Northlakes. He's got a brilliant um, one. The, the bathers is one of the words which actually does separate some of the states a bit. Uh, it's less common in Queensland than it is 
down south. Um, so cozy is used everywhere, very common in New South Wales. Um, speedos and budgie smugglers and swimming briefs. Um, by the way, tank top comes from a ladies' swimming costume from the 1920s oh. uh, when ladies had to be properly covered and they would swim in a tank. And that's where your tank top comes from. Hmm. Um, we tend to say togs in Queensland for swimmers. Trunks now hardly used at all, I think. They would date you back to the 50s and so on. So this is one of the words which actually does cover different states in different ways. But notice that things like bawdies, uh, as soon as you make a new word for board shorts, it's going to be plural because of the rule that if it's got two leg holes, it's going to be plural. How about rushy? Oh, Rashi um, is, a, I think, an all-over shirt, particularly um, something which people wear when they go diving on the reef so that you don't get stung by stingers and things. I love a good Rashi. I want one of those yeah. funny novelty Christmas jumper Rashis. I think they're fabulous. Oh, we'll have to get you one okay. for a present then. Yeah. Troy at North Lakes. Now, you've got a word that I always felt was an Australian uh, sort of slang term for clothing. Good day. Afternoon. Afternoon, Rolly. Yes. Um, oh, I'm from I'm from New Zealand, and we use it too. So I'm just wondering where it originated from. When we were little, and we'd get changed, Mum would say, "Hurry up, drop your decks." All right. Yes, uh, not only New Zealand, uh, and this is an interesting one because um, in Australia also you have if you've got a bottom part of a tracksuit, that's your tracky decks, um, and it comes from a. Uh, a company in Piccadilly in London in the 1930s. They were called Simpsons, and they made trousers. And uh, Dax came, it was a trade name, a bit like BVDs, um, f formed from Alexander Simpson and Dudley Beck, who were the owners, and they put their initials together to make Dax. Uh, we, everybody's lost, forgotten that nowadays, and, huh. and Dax are, I think, any sorts of, you know, your under Dax, your, your Dax, your tracky Dax, there's some sort of thing that covers your bottom part. Well, and, it, you know, the order description of an act of a removal of the thing that covers your bottom part um, in a schoolyard setting. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So you, what else do you sort of use in common Kiwi parlance for clothing, Troy? Um, jandals, obviously. Anything else? Jandals. Um, no, it's all pretty much on sweatshirt and hoodies. Oh, hoodie, yes. yeah. Sweatshirts and jumpers seem to have a, a different meaning as well. How so? Because jumpers are interesting. We'll come back to jumpers in a sec. I had, are um, they different in New Zealand? No, hoodies would be like your um, sweatshirt. We don't really yeah. use the word sweatshirt. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and then jumpers we sort of use when we're kids, and then as we get older, everything's just a, a hoodie. <laughs> okay. Well, a jumper actually comes from an old word for a loose outer sailor's garment, something they, they wore on the outside to stop getting cold. Although a jumper in America, I believe, is a pinafore dress. Oh, that's quite different. Very different. Um, and then, of course, we've got a sweater. Well, no, that makes you sweat. A jersey and a guernsey. They're interesting because they're both Channel Islands. And uh, jersey is relatively common, uh, particularly the ones which are knitted with complicated patterns and so on. Guernsey is a, a football thing in Australia, and I don't believe it's used anywhere else for a jumper. It's a sporting jumper for AFL. Hmm. Thank you very much, Troy. No worries. Thank you. That was great. On ABC Radio yeah. Brisbane and Queensland. Catherine is in Mackay. Hello, Catherine. Hello. How are you? Good, mate. What have you got for us this afternoon? Oh, look, nothing to do with clothing, except that my children tend to call rubber thongs pluggers. <gasps> yes. And yep. I don't know where that came from. Double plug, but front pluggers. That's yeah. a classic thong. 
Yeah, I think that's because the bits underneath look like plugs, and uh, you know, you're, it's a very bad day when you're you're at the beach with one pair of thongs and one of the plugs pulls out. Uh -huh. But I did have uh, something to ask you. Yes. Um, about clauses starting with who or that. I yes. use who for people and that for animals or things, but people mm -hmm. use that for anyone, anything these days. Yes, and that's that, you know, yeah. and, and is that wrong? No, I was I was taught exactly the same as you, uh, that who was for people and uh, that was for everything else. Nowadays, that can be used for anything at all. The man that I saw is perfectly fine. Uh, it gets you away from the problem of who or whom, you know, the man whom I saw, because when we say whom, it sounds a little bit over-careful, and though that, that just slots in and does for everything, and it's, it's actually made life a bit easier for us. All right, then, so I don't have to cringe every time I hear it. No, you don't. All right, then. I'll stop cringing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Hopefully making you a little more comfortable this afternoon. Graham in Carindale. G'day, Graham. You've got a, uh, a clothing-related question or comment. Uh, a comment. Good afternoon, Catherine and uh, Riley. Yes, yes, I believe the derivation of why it is a pair of pants mm. is because the pant part comes from the word pantaloon, of which there was always two because there was one, one for each leg. And as mm. the lady before said, tied at the top of the string, or, or twine or <laughs> whatever, um, yes. but there was, two, so it was a, a, a pair of pantaloons which then became a pair of pants. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, historically they were always pantaloons in English um, and pantalone, which I believe is plural in Italian as well. Uh, the interesting thing about those is that, that women's pantaloons were ba baggy and gathered at the ankles and the men's ones were close-fitting like plus fours and fastened below the calf. So there was an actual difference between the sexes in how they actually were, were realised. Pantalone is an, an Italian name. Oh, okay, then yeah, I, okay. I, I read that. I read that somewhere, and uh, yeah, thought uh, it sounded feasible. Um, the, yep. other, the other comment I have is uh, with regard to um, thongs. One of the best names I've heard from them is "go forwards." <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Graham. Uh, the best. One of my highlights as a clothes retailer, Rolly, um, mm -hmm. when after school, was selling thongs that had bottle openers in the bottom of. <laughs> <laughs> and I do mean flip-flop jandal thongs. The other variety wow. might be a fairly interesting okay. exercise. Um, we're almost approaching time for your last word, but mm -hmm. we did have a few other questions to get through. Margaret at Sanford was very patiently holding on, but she just had to run off and do something else. So she wanted to know about um, the origins of Gift of the Gab, Rolly. Oh, right. Um, gab is an old English term for talking. And so a gift of the gab is uh, having the gift of speaking and being fluent. Um, but I will dig out the rest of gab for next week. It's interesting. Very interesting okay. indeed. Before we move on to your last word, anything else we need to know about the language of clothing? Well, I thought that I'd encourage everybody to have a look on the web at words for hats. From a Kubra to Fascinator to Beanie to Balaclava to Deerstalker to Gatsby to Montera, which is the word that uh, bullfighters wear, Tamashanta, which was named after a poem by Robert Burns, to your Trilby, Panama, and your Fedora. There are lots of words for hats, and the, one of the few areas where men have almost as many words as women. Jolly good, that. Uh, Professor Rolly Sussex, your last word. Mark Twain. 
a marvellous American writer, clothes make the man. Naked people have little or no influence on society. <laughs> on your radio and online. At home or on the road. This is ABC Radio.